Welcome to Sane Split, a podcast about staying sane when relationships end. I am AJ Jakubowska, family law lawyer and mediator. Just like you, I'm human. I understand what can happen when people separate. Lots of questions swirling around like confetti. Lots of uncertainty, perhaps anger, disappointment, or even pain. Sleepless nights, shallow breathing. Will I ever be happy again? Will the kids be okay? How much is all this going to cost? All of these questions are human and you're not alone. This podcast features my thoughts about separation and my interviews with other humans who help people when their relationships end. People who assist with legal issues, who mediate, who look after hearts and minds, and even after the pocketbook. People who might help you plan your future. What you will hear is not legal advice. These are dialogues primarily about the human aspect of separation. We will try to stay away from legal lingo. It's humans talking to humans. I hope that something you hear will help you navigate your way to a sane split. Welcome and thanks for tuning in. On today's episode, which I'm recording on a beautiful Grand Manan Island in New Brunswick, I will spend some time on child support. But before we dive into that, indulge me please while I devote a few words to my favorite season, and that is spring. A symbol of rebirth and renewal and fresh opportunities and of hope and promise. We can all start afresh each spring. I'm going to share with you one of my favorite quotes from Rumi, a 16th century Persian scholar and poet. I always think of it as having to do with spring, but it applies, I think, throughout the year and perhaps speaks to an attitude toward life. Here it is. Very little grows on jagged rock. Be ground, be crumbled, so wildflowers will come up where you are. On to our topic for today. Three questions I am most often asked about child support and my answers, of course. General answers, that is. Remember that each of these questions can be answered in considerable detail, tailored to your specific case. If you need more information, please speak to a lawyer. Get a consultation at least. Child support is a very, very important issue in family law. And as I have emphasized in previous episodes, child support is the right of the child, not the parent receiving it. So if you are bargaining with child support, any aspect of it, whether prospective, meaning going forward, or retroactive, as in catch-up payments, you are essentially playing with someone else's chips. And there are special rules around that, some of which you may find quite surprising. So get legal advice, please. Here are the three questions. Number one, do I have to pay child support for my son or daughter when they are over 18? 
Number two, do I have to pay child support when I have our kids 50% of the time? And number three, can I pay child support directly to my child and not to the other parent? Let's tackle question number one. There is a misconception in the public sphere, one I encounter each and every day, that child support always ends at 18. In fact, that is not always the case. And in reality, many parents continue to pay child support after the child is over the age of majority. I will explain why that may be the case. The initial misconception may be connected to the fact that in Ontario and in five other provinces, 18 is the age of majority, and that in many respects, young people who reach that age are considered adults. 19 is the age of majority in the other four provinces and all three territories. So that is a bit of dinner time trivia for you. In Canada, we have what are called the child support guidelines. If you've been listening to this podcast, you've heard this reference before. And we have them both at the federal level, meaning related to the Federal Divorce Act, and at the provincial level for each province, and related to that province's own legislation dealing with child support. In Ontario, that is the Family Law Act. Our Ontario child support guidelines essentially mirror the provisions of the federal guidelines. So when I talk about the provisions, I'm talking about both. Which legislation, federal or provincial, applies to your case is a bit of a tricky question. And I don't want to get into it here. If you have questions, please email me or get legal advice to understand how the laws apply to your specific case. So what do the guidelines say about children below the age of majority and at or above the age of majority? They contain two sets of provisions, one applying to each group, so to speak. And they provide, yes, you guessed it, guidelines on how support is to be calculated for each. The federal child support guidelines have two specific sections here. Section three, bracket one bracket, relates to kids under 18 and 19, depending on what province or territory we are talking about. And section three, bracket two bracket, deals with kids at or over the age of majority. So yes, the Divorce Act, which applies to married people across Canada, does provide for child support for kids over the age of majority. As for the reasons child support may be owing in those circumstances, the place to look is the definition of child in the federal child support guidelines. And that reads, child means a child of the marriage. Okay, what is a child of the marriage? Here, we need to go uh, for the meaning of that phrase to the Divorce Act, and here it is. Child of the marriage means a child of two spouses or former spouses 
who at the material time A is under the age of majority and who has not withdrawn from their charge, or B is the age of majority or over and under their care, but unable by reason of illness, disability, or other cause to withdraw from their charge or to obtain the necessaries of life. So B is telling us that there are circumstances where a child of the marriage can be defined as a young person who is over the age of majority or at the age of majority and who is unable to withdraw from the charge of his or her parents or obtain the necessaries of life for some reason, illness, disability, or some other cause. Now, let's go to the provincial legislation, the Ontario Child Support Guidelines and the Family Law Act to which they are related. Here again, we have section three bracket, one bracket, dealing with kids under the age of majority, and we have section three bracket, two bracket, dealing with those at the age of majority or over. Let's take a look at the definition of child under the Family Law Act. Child means, other than in Schedule 2 of this regulation, A, a child who is a dependent under the Act, or B, in cases where the Divorce Act, bracket Canada, close bracket, applies, a child of the marriage under that Act. What does Schedule 2 of the regulation, you remember it's mentioned in the definition, So what does Schedule 2 of the regulation say? That is the schedule dealing with the comparison of household standards of living test. And here, child means a, in cases where the Divorce Act Canada applies, a child of the marriage or a child who, one, is under the age of majority or two, is the age of majority or over, but is unable by reason of illness, disability, or other cause to obtain the necessaries of life. Or B, in cases where the act applies, a child who is a dependent under the act. Okay, I have thrown enough legal mumbo-jumbo at you. Let me give you a summary now. Under both federal and provincial legislation, we have provisions that say that children at or over the age of majority can and will receive child support in the right circumstances. What are those circumstances? Very commonly, it's either because they are unwell or disabled to the point of not being able to become financially self-sufficient or because they're attending school, receiving post-secondary education, and that would include college, university, various vocational schools, and even co-op programs in the right circumstances. The next question here always is, so how long do I have to pay? Generally speaking, it's one degree, but again, a lot depends on other factors, including the payor's level of income. The higher your income, 
the more inclined the court will be to give your kids the most opportunities they can get. I was involved in a case many years ago where I negotiated a father paying for medical school for two of his sons, and that payment is a form of child support. Why? Because his income was very, very high, and he had obtained a professional degree himself. So these kinds of factors are relevant. And there are other related questions here. Does it have to be full-time attendance? What if my kid is in a co-op program? Do they have to show me their report cards? And of course, what form is child support to take? Am I paying both the table amount each month and also paying at least a portion of the tuition? What are the arrangements here? I'm not going to spend time on the answers to those questions here because I want to stick to our plan for this episode. But these are legitimate points to raise. And again, at the risk of repeating myself, speak to a lawyer, please. What may seem quite straightforward can in fact be quite complicated and also very fact-specific, meaning the answer to those questions in your case may be different than in another case, so get legal advice. Question number two, if I have the kids with me 50% of the time, I don't have to pay child support, right? I will respond, yes, you are likely right, but only if your income and the income of the other parent are the same. There is an issue here I will touch on very superficially, and that is the fact that both the federal and the Ontario Child Support Guidelines talk about the 40 and 60 percent, essentially when a parent hits the 40 percent threshold of their time with their children, they get their foot in the door to argue that the table amount of child support does not apply. I could talk literally for an hour about this topic. How is the 40 percent calculated? How do courts feel about parents counting hours? How is school and daycare time treated? As in whose time is it? and so on and so on. Lots of drama, I will call it. Lots of drama here, because many parents spend a lot of time trying to prove that they have what they consider the magical 40%. But as is always the case when it comes to child support, our courts retain a lot of discretion, meaning our family court judges have the power to depart from the guidelines, including the 40%, 60% provisions. And I can tell you by way of summary that our courts are not fond of parents who count hours. I want to go back to our question and stick to it. Let's say that in a hypothetical scenario, parents do have the kids with them 50% of the time. How is child support calculated in such a case? We have specific provisions in the guidelines dealing with shared parenting time. That is what the situation is called. Here is what section nine of the federal child support guidelines says. Section nine. 
If each spouse exercises not less than 40% of parenting time with a child over the course of a year, the amount of the child support order must be determined by taking into account A, the amounts set out in the applicable tables for each of the spouses, B, the increased costs of shared parenting time arrangements, and C, the conditions, means, needs, and other circumstances of each spouse and of any child for whom support is sought. So what does all that mean, you ask? It means that we throw a number of factors into the pot and come up with the right result for each particular case. That is how a family court judge would do it. When child support is negotiated, quite often the parents adopt the set-off approach. And here, I mean the following. Let's say a couple has two kids. We first figure out what parent A would owe parent B in table child support for two kids based on their income. Then we figure out what parent B would owe parent A in table child support for two kids based on their income. And then we set off the amounts, meaning that the parent with the higher income would end up paying something monthly to the other parent. And there are, of course, section seven expenses as well. And here again, they would be shared by the parents proportionately to their respective incomes. So when I initially said, when I introduced the question that you may not be paying child support if the incomes of both parents are the same, this is what I meant. Again, there are no hard and fast rules in this section. The language is fairly broad to allow for the tailoring of each solution to the specific facts of each case, whether by a family court judge or as part of a negotiation. So sometimes, without understanding the whole situation, a parent spends a lot of time counting hours, counting, counting, and then says, bingo, I have 40%, so no child support. Again, whether you pay child support or not is not related solely to the amount of time, the percentage. The other element of the inquiry are the income levels, the costs to each parent of the shared parenting arrangements, and so on. Let's go to question number three. Can I pay the child support directly to my kid, not to the other parent? I hear this quite a bit, rooted in a high level of mistrust, a concern real or imagined that the other parent is not spending the money on the child. I can tell you one thing without hesitation. If you take this position before a family court judge, you will not be looked upon kindly. Judges see this as a form of control by one parent over the other. I'm going to leave this point at that. There was a time when child support was taxable to the parent receiving it and tax deductible to the parent paying it. 
That is not currently the case, meaning that the payment of child support is tax neutral. The parent receiving it does not take the amounts into their income, and the parent paying it does not get a tax deduction, unlike spousal support, periodic spousal support. But I don't want to digress here. Back then, if you paid the child support to the child, you lost the tax deduction. So that was the reason payer parents would not do it. But what about now the child support is neutral? Here's my answer with all sincerity. As a parent, you want to do everything you can, anything you can, to shield your kids from the financial issues between their parents. Let kids be kids. For many, separation is an impactful event that requires many adjustments. The last thing you want is for your kid to worry about child support as well. Some payment mommy or daddy is making to me and not to the other parent, giving me a check each month, payable to me and not to the other parent. It's a bad, bad approach. Your child would not be able to use the money in any event, and it would have to make its way into the hands of the other parent in any event. So they pay for the groceries, the utilities, and the mortgage. Don't do it. There are situations in which a child attending university, for example, may be paying the tuition directly or child support in the form of grocery money may be paid to the student each month. Those types of direct payments are fine, but not to kids who are younger and would likely be puzzled by or perhaps even anxious about this strange arrangement where one parent is giving the money called child support. While child support is the right of the child, that doesn't automatically or necessarily mean they have to receive that money or even should. Don't do it. If you do have concerns about how the money is spent, and I mean reasonable concerns, not unfounded suspicions, Have a dialogue with the other parent. Make it respectful. Listen to the answer. Invite a collaboration on the subject, not a shouting match. Consider mediation. If you don't like the winter coat your kid is wearing, don't send the other parent an angry and accusatory email about their misspending the child support payments you make. Again, Try to have an adult dialogue about it. And if you can't do it directly between the two of you, get a mediator involved. Your kids deserve better than their parents at each other's throats. Because I promise you, they sense every moment of tension between the two of you, and it does have an impact on them. Okay, I'm ending this episode with a bit of finger wagging, but that is because I am very much into reducing stress for kids in every way possible and into alerting parents that their words and actions do matter very much so. 
Well, those were the three questions I am most often asked about child support. And my overview answers. I hope they help you make your way to a saint split. Thank you for listening. I hope you will tune in again. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach me through my website, separationinontario.com. Subscribing to the podcast through your favorite app will make future episodes available to you automatically. Signing off for now.